think it's important to emphasize here that Runnymede does not think of itself as being neutral in the sense that we are indifferent uh, as to these principles. Hello and welcome back to all our loyal listeners to Runnymede Radio. My name is Thomas Falcone, Communications Director with the National Runnymede Society Organization, and I'm joined today for this first installment of a new season for Runnymede Radio by our new National Director and our new Runnymede Radio host, Christopher Kingsinger. Now today, Chris and I will be talking about all things Runnymede, who we are, where we've been, and where we're going. And so without any further ado, hello and welcome, Chris. Hello, Thomas. It's great to officially be joining the podcast. Yes, so happy to have you here and glad to be uh, recording this podcast with you today. Um, let's get started with, with going going back. Uh, who are you? <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> That's tell an excellent about, question. It is. Uh, for some people, it's their favorite question. Tell me, tell me about the journey you took to get to where you are now, uh, recording this podcast as the National Director of the Running Me Society. So for those who know me, I was born and raised uh, in Cambridge, Ontario. Uh, Waterloo Region is home for me. And uh, after high school, I went to the University of Waterloo, where I majored in history in the arts and business program. And it was while I was at Waterloo, I started seriously thinking about law. And I got introduced to a number of legal organizations, uh, such as Christian Legal Fellowship, that really made me interested in pursuing law, not just as a career, but as a vocation. And so I ended up, uh, when I was in my undergrad, uh, writing the LSAT, and then I wrote it a second time because I didn't do very well the first time, and I did uh, much better the second time, and I applied to law school, and uh, I got accepted to, to several schools, and I ended up uh, choosing Osgoode Hall. And so I had a very good uh, three years at Osgoode Hall. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. During that time, I remained involved uh, in with uh, Christian Legal Fellowship. I did an internship there and uh, subsequently joined their board of directors as the student representative. And then fast forward to my third year, and uh, I met a number of uh, enthusiastic 1Ls on campus who are looking to, to be active in the law school community. And I put them in touch with Joanna Barron, who at the time was the national director of the Runnymede Society. And uh, they ended up starting the first uh, Runnymede chapter at Osgoode, because up until that time, Osgoode was a bit of an outlier, and we didn't have a chapter at Runnymede. So I helped a little bit behind the scenes to get them up and going. And then over the next few years, uh, while I was articling with a, a national law firm in uh, in Waterloo, Ontario, uh, I, I got more and more connected with the Runnymede community and with Mark Mancini, Joanna's uh, successor as national director, my predecessor. And so I, uh, Mark very graciously invited me to participate in the 2020, uh, sorry, yes, first the, the 2020 Law and Freedom Conference, which was the last in-person conference we had. Uh, and then he also invited me back the next year uh, to the 2021 conference to uh, to moderate a couple of panels. And so I always uh, enjoyed uh, connecting with Runnymede. I felt very much at home within the Runnymede coalition and the Runnymede community. So so that brings me up to the end of articling. And, uh, and then the pandemic hit. And like a lot of uh, 
recent law school graduates and, and, uh, fresh calls, I was, uh, in a bit of a tricky spot where unfortunately my firm wasn't in a position uh, where they were able to hire me back. Or perhaps I should say fortunately, because if they had, I wouldn't be on the path and I wouldn't be where I am now. So during that pandemic year, I decided to pursue my master's degree and I, and I did that at McGill. And while I was uh, wrapping that up, the opportunity came to step into this role at Runnymede. And uh, I, I, you know, when the, when the offer came, uh, I, I couldn't say no. It, this is uh, just such a fantastic organization and community and the opportunity to lead that and to help, uh, guide it into the future and into the next phase of its journey was, uh, something I was very enthusiastic about. So that's the short version of how I got to where I am today. Let's just take half a step back because I'm curious. You did an LLM at McGill, which you only very recently completed, I believe. What was that experience like, especially during the height of the pandemic? And what was your, what was your research on? It was, uh, it was very interesting to do an entire degree remotely during the pandemic. Unfortunately, I didn't get to uh, Montreal at all during the course of, uh, of my degree. I was there a couple of weeks ago for my convocation ceremony, and that was the first time I ever set foot on McGill's campus. But it was a very good experience. I had done uh, online learning uh, in undergrad and actually uh, in high school as well. So I was familiar with the, uh, the format and it wasn't different. Uh, it wasn't difficult for me to, to adjust into that. Obviously it would have been nicer to have been around people, but, uh, but given the circumstances, I was very grateful to be there and I felt very supported by the administration and the faculty. I had uh, wonderful professors who looked for opportunities to find uh, uh, additional research work for me to do and who uh, supported my my interests and uh, what I wanted to focus on with my research, which was on constitutional architecture and specifically how the notwithstanding clause, section 33 of the charter fits within constitutional architecture. So it was uh, it was a bit of a, um, perhaps unorthodox is the right word, but it was a provocative take on how, uh, w- whether or not the, the so-called implied Bill of Rights jurisprudence is still relevant and whether or not that has any bearing on how we understand Section 33 today. And so that's what I focused on. And I don't want to give away too much on that project because I am hoping to rework it and have it published uh, within the next uh, year or so in a in a journal. But that's primarily what I was focusing on. And Apart from that, I also took other courses on on legal history and and public law related issues. Any words of advice uh, after your experience for three Ls or articling students or young lawyers out there who are considering an LLM? Is an LLM more than just a lawyer losing money? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say it's uh, it's a very worthwhile thing to pursue, especially because by the time you get to the LLM stage, uh, LLM tuition is generally much less than a JD, and there are often ample funding opportunities, both with universities and federally available uh, for their projects. I was very grateful to receive a uh, scholarship, uh, Bombardier scholarship from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council to, to fund uh, part of my LLM. Um, I, I would say though that for, uh, new lawyers or for 3L students or articling students who are thinking about doing an LLM, that, uh, doing it sooner rather than later is probably to their benefit 
And again, I say in many ways that it, it worked out well that I didn't get hired back by my firm because it, I wouldn't have gone down this path otherwise. And I had always at the back of my mind wanted to pursue an LLM, but I thought that my original plan was to at least practice for a few years before considering it. But if I'm, if I'm being honest, I probably would not have, uh, pursued it if I had gone down that firm, that traditional firm route wound up in a, in a demanding job. I don't know how I would have pulled myself away from practice to spend uh, a year uh, doing my LLM. Uh, so it was, it was good to just get that done at a point where I hadn't really settled into any position yet. And I wasn't really giving up, uh, any, any job or, or income, uh, to do it. Um, and, you know, but I recognize that in my case, things were a little bit unique and, uh, the opportunity cost during a pandemic when, uh, when I started, there was a national hiring freeze across the, uh, the profession. It, it made a lot of sense to pursue it. But even as we exit the pandemic, I would say that students should very seriously consider doing an LLM, particularly if they have a keen interest in a, in a fine point of law and want to produce some good scholarship on that issue. I want to turn the conversation back to where you're at now after the LLM, which is, of course, leading the National Ready Meat Society organization. Let's cut to the basics. What to you is the Ready Meat Society? This is a really good question for you to ask because I think it's something that if you spend time on social media, you sometimes get asked. People want to know who we are and what we're about the Runnymede Society is ultimately at its core a coalition, and it's a coalition made up of law students, of jurists and scholars who share a common commitment to the principles of constitutionalism, freedom, and the rule of law. Sometimes, Thomas, you hear people talk about Runnymede as if it presents itself as being a neutral organization, but I think it's important to emphasize here that Runnymede does not think of itself as being neutral in the sense that we are indifferent uh, as to these principles. The thing that unites our members in this coalition is their commitment to these principles. That being said, Runnymede is not a think tank. Runnymede itself is not an advocacy group. So Runnymede does not take positions on specific issues or preempt what a commitment to our principles necessarily entails. What we try to do is provide a forum for where people uh, who are uh, committed to these things are able to, to come together and associate with one another and to have rigorous dialogue about these principles, not just with themselves, but from others as well, from other groups and from outside of our coalition to, to wrestle with these things. And, and in that respect, we really reflect what uh, the spirit of, of higher education is supposed to be. We obviously focus very heavily on our law school chapters. And so that's what we want to be doing is promoting intellectual diversity and find a space where we can uh, discuss what uh how these principles can be brought to bear uh, on the state of the law in Canada. Uh, and, you know, on that point, I would just emphasize as well that often you will find Runnymede members disagreeing as much with each other as they do with people outside of the coalition. Uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed these past few years have been debates over things such as legal interpretation, uh, I mentioned I did my uh, LLM project on Section 33 of the Charter. Uh, those are two issues where it would be impossible to nail down 
uh, any kind of consensus within Runnymede. But because our members are starting from a certain common set of commitments, or at least in the sense that they all agree that constitutionalism, freedom, and the rule of law are, are important things, and it's important that we understand these things uh, correctly, it enables them to have a robust dialogue and to contribute to the, the broader dialogue happening throughout the academy and the profession on these issues. And so we, we see that in our events, we see that at our conferences, and hopefully we're going to continue to be seeing that uh, in the months and, uh, and weeks ahead. And hopefully that spirit will be reflected here as well on Runnymede Radio. Runnymede is turning six years old in 2022. So when you look back over the past few years, how do you see the organization as having evolved and where do you want to take it next? You know, it's really interesting um, because I mentioned I, I never um, are implicit in what I was saying earlier. I never actually ended up leading my law school's Runnymede chapter. So I do come at this uh, with a bit of an outsider's perspective as far as that's concerned. Although, again, I, I was uh, played a pretty key role behind the scenes in helping to get the, the Osgood chapter started up. Um, and also, I've been able to participate uh, in the national conferences. All that being said, I, I think we're at a really important point in our organization's history. And one of the ways I've described it is that in some ways, we're like a late stage startup. You know, there's still, uh, there's still a bit of a scrappiness there. Uh, it, you know, we're small and, uh, but we're growing at the same time. And so we're at this exciting stage where many of our former student chapter leaders have now moved on and are called to the bar and we are still engaging with them. And many of them are now, uh, establishing lawyers chapters, uh, throughout Canada. They're producing scholarship um, through Runnymede outlets, such as the AV Dicey Law Review, which is a project that we uh, that we work on with Advocates for the Rule of Law and LexisNexis. And of course, they're now coming back to their former chapters and they're doing uh, student chapter events. And so this is an exciting time for Runnymede. There's a lot of growth. There's a lot of branching out in terms of the number of projects we're working on. And the hope is that that will just continue in the years ahead and that the network will continue to expand and that uh, we will ultimately uh, be able to just do more uh, and provide more opportunities for people who, like me, are, are interested in the issues that we focus on and want to have a a place where they feel at liberty to uh, to pursue those uh, those interests and to pursue those interests uh, in accordance with their commitments. I want to zone in on what you mentioned just now on the lawyers chapter, which of course Running Mead launched in 2020. More specifically, what is your vision for how Running Mead law students now can lead in the profession as Running Mead lawyers in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I would say for any, uh, students who used to be on their Runnymeads, uh, members of their Runnymede Society student chapter or that were executives with their student chapter is to sign up as lawyer members. And you can do that on our website. And, uh, there are a number of, of benefits associated with that. You get, again, you get connected with the, the network, but you also, uh, get lower cost admission to things like our conference and our chapter events. And uh, the hope is in the next few months that our lawyer chapters will begin to offer uh, CPD style events. So lawyers obviously 
need to engage in continuing professional development. And we want to be able to uh, give our members an opportunity to satisfy those requirements when they're coming out and they're attending running meet events. Uh, so, so those are the two big reasons why I would uh, encourage them to join. But also, again, um, we're, we're continuing to expand our projects like the Dicey Law Review. We have an upcoming uh, book project with LexisNexis, which is going to also serve as volume 109 of the Supreme Court Law Review. That's going to be on focused on the unwritten principle of constitutionalism. The plan is that we're going to gather at the University of Toronto to workshop papers for that volume and then uh, work on them over the next few months. And hopefully that will be published uh, later that year. And uh, the hope is that this will become uh, a recurring project uh, and partnership with LexisNexis that we'll be able to produce more volumes and we'll be able to focus in on these, uh, these issues. Now, as national director, of course, you lead the national Running Mead organization, but how do you see the campus leaders and Running Mead law students involved in various leadership positions in Running Mead contributing and leading the organization in the future? Well, Running Mead wouldn't be what it is without the law student chapters. That is where we got started, and that is in many ways always going to be the heart of our organization, even though as we continue to grow and we want to all of our student members to become lawyer members, uh, the law student experience is a huge part of who we are. And so as we look ahead to that, uh, I think for, for students, we are hopefully going to be providing them with an opportunity to bring uh, intellectual diversity to their law schools, because that's something that we can never get enough of uh, in a university context. We want people to be able to pursue uh, things with academic freedom, to be able uh, to focus on on issues that maybe don't always get focused on, to bring perspectives to bear that uh, don't always get the hearing that they ought to get. So that's a big part of uh, what our students do. Uh, and in doing so, they do that to enrich the life of their law schools. And this is something that I tell all of our students is you exist uh, to serve your law school, to, to make it uh, a better place and to make it a better place, not just for your members, but for everyone. So, so I really come at this, uh, with the work that we're doing on law school campuses with a very positive, constructive view. We're not here to, to denigrate uh, the law schools because I, again, I had a very good law school experience and, uh, but there's always ways in which, uh, we can improve. And, uh, I think a group like Runny Made is uniquely positioned to help do that. Law and Freedom 2022 is coming up in what's now just a matter of weeks. Um, and I really think that this is Runny Mead's marquee annual event. What should our lawyer listeners be especially excited for, aside, of course, from the fact that we're back in person now, thankfully? Back in person, uh, knock on wood, we're assuming that things pandemic-wise will uh, not completely unravel. But at any rate, we, we do expect to have something close to, if not at a full capacity event. And it's especially exciting for us because we have two uh, stellar keynote speakers lined up. On Friday evening, we're going to be having a fireside chat with Marie Hennen, quite possibly the best criminal defense lawyer 
in the country. And so she's going to be. I'm just, I'm just so excited for that. I'm so excited. I, I can't wait. I'm thrilled. She obviously just published, uh, her memoirs, nothing but the truth, which can be purchased, uh, online, uh, ahead of the conference. And we will have copies at the conference there, uh, for people who want to purchase it. And, uh, she's going to be talking about the work that criminal defense lawyers do to promote the rule of law, which again is one of Ronnie Mead's core commitments. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, on Saturday evening, we're going to be having a keynote session, session with Justice Susan Coche of the Supreme Court of Canada. Justice Coche is obviously uh, one of the most uh, provocative members of the courts. She's released a number of very compelling decisions over the years. Uh, she's known for her willingness to dissent, which I think is incredibly valuable on an appellate court, is when we have judges who are willing to uh, dissent from uh, from the majority. And I think it's it's good for the law to have dissenters. And in some ways, that's reflective of the Runnymede spirit, where people who aren't afraid to dissent, uh, we're not afraid to dissent from one another. We are, again, uh, we're committed to intellectual diversity. And so uh, we want to see our members uh, disagreeing with one another where it's warranted and engaging in that uh, robust discussion. And so I hope that Justice Coche's uh, talk will inspire us in that regard. Uh, and the rest of the conference, we've got leading practitioners and scholars lined up. Uh, we've got individuals such as Dwight Newman of the University of Saskatchewan, Derek Ross of Christian Legal Fellowship, Pat Parody of the Center for Constitutional Studies. Uh, we have Kerry Frock from the University of New Brunswick, Chris Van Mathen from the University of Ottawa, Leonid Serrata, who's just starting a position at Reading Law School in the United Kingdom. Uh, and, and others as well. I won't go through the entire list. It'll be on our, our website for anyone who's interested, but there's a, a really good lineup of speakers that will hopefully be engaging with some, uh, some of these pressing issues of the day focused on issues like, uh, section 33 of the charter, the state of, uh, freedom of expression, uh, emerging alternatives to legal interpretation. Uh, that's going to be a very fun panel that I'm looking forward to, which will also have individuals uh, like Carrie Sun on that panel. And so we're, we're very excited. Uh, and a, one thing we're also excited about is that we're planning on having our first ever all Francophone panel at this conference. Uh, Runnymede is uh, a Canadian organization. And so because of that, we aspire to be a bilingual organization and have representation with from both the the common law and the civil law systems and so professor Maxime Saint-Elay from Sherbrooke University is going to be uh, chairing that panel and uh, we're very excited about that it's all super exciting and I think that our loyal listeners can get more information on our speaker lineup and ticketing information at runningmeadsocietyca slash conference. Yes, they can. Well, Chris, this has been just a fantastic conversation, um, and I am so excited for everything that you have in store for the future for the Running Mead Society. And I'm also very excited for your plans here at Running Mead Radio. I know that you have several uh, guests lined up and ideas for Running Mead Radio in the near future. So I'm, uh, along with, I think, all of our loyal listeners Really looking forward to uh, future episodes coming out soon. Stay tuned. We have an exciting season coming up. The hope is that we're going to be putting out episodes about every other week or so. And Excellent. Looking forward to that. Thanks, Chris, for joining us today at Running Mead Radio. Thank you, Thomas.